Turn with me to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. Jesus says in John chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, says the following words. Listen to these words. I am the door. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Come home. Imagine with me a little bit. When you hear those words, come home, think about your home. If you're like me, you might say, what home? Which home? I've got lots of homes. My family is all split up. Pick your favorite. Pick the one that's the place of the best memories. Maybe it's near. Maybe it's on the other side of the world. Maybe you don't quite know where it is anymore, but you remember where it was. Think about home. What are your best memories of home? What sounds do you hear? What food do you taste? Fried okra, that's what I taste. What's the smell of home? Think about that smell. Whom do you see? Think about the door to your home. I can, I can recall lots of doors in my life, doors of home. Think about the one that gets the most use going in and out. Think about the handle of the door. Think about how it feels in your hand. Think about the sounds that it makes as you're turning the handle, as the door opens. Picture it in your mind. What do you anticipate as you walk into home? This morning I've led you in this reflection because I want us to listen to this text with our memories of home fresh in our minds. Particularly, I'd like us to listen to this text as we're thinking about what it's been like seeking and finding home here at this college. Some of us have been here for years. Many of us have just been here for a little over a month. I've been here since December 28th. Andrea came a couple weeks later. Some of us have never felt more at home. Some of us have never felt farther away from home. To all of us right now in this room, the Lord Jesus is calling to us through this text, come home. What in the world does he mean? What are you talking about, Jesus? Let's go to this text. All right, Jesus says these words in the middle of a story. Let's look at John chapter 9, verses 1 to 7. This is the beginning of the story. We've got to have the story to figure out what in the world Jesus is saying. Jesus says in John chapter 9, as he went along... He saw a blind man from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. And after saying this, he spit on the ground. And he made some mud with the saliva and he put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. And this word means sent. And so the man went and washed and he came home seeing. This healing creates a storm of controversy. 
is that really that old blind beggar? Nah, it can't be him. He just looks like him. Nah, that's probably his cousin. It's, the blind man's blind. Okay, he can't see. The blind man, meanwhile, is saying, look at me. It's me. Don't you remember? No, I don't. I remember a blind man. Why do you keep calling me blind? I can see. How can you see now? That's crazy. Jesus healed me. Okay, where's Jesus? I don't know. What's he look like? Uh, I don't know. Okay. uh, The storm raged on, and they brought the blind man to the pastors and the Bible college professors. Those are the Pharisees, roughly. And some said... Some people said, no way, this can't be from God. This can't be from God. Whoever did this, if it's true, he healed on the Sabbath. And we know we don't violate the Sabbath. God told us not to. Our authority is the Bible. This contradicts God's word. So maybe this guy's a liar. Or maybe it's the work of a demon. But it ain't God, that's for sure. So they went and got his parents. And they asked, all right, now... Tell us the truth. Is this your son? Wasn't he born blind? How does he see now? And they said, uh, ask him. Just talk to him. And things are getting real for them because they're afraid. Many people were already saying that this Jesus guy, anyone who says that he is the Messiah, anyone who says God himself is acting through Jesus to bring healing and restoration for his people, anyone who says that is trouble. And they think anyone who's a follower of Jesus has lost their ability to see clearly the work of God and to rightly perceive the difference between the work of God and the work of the devil. So the Pharisees asked the blind man again. They said, come on, man, tell us the truth. Tell us that Jesus is a sinner and he's not from God. Tell us how he did it. We know God didn't heal you. It must be some other power. Fess up. And the blind man's probably now very afraid, realizing that what has just happened to him might lead him to being homeless. And he said, look, this is what I know. I know that I've never been able to see, and now I can, and it was this man who healed me. And then he got a little courage, and he added a little offense to his defense. And he said, hmm, you keep asking me to tell me about what happened to me. I've already told you all that. Maybe, maybe that's because you're really interested in following Jesus, aren't you? I bet you secretly want to be his followers, don't you? And that upset, you know, Bible, Bible college professors, pastors, oof, they can't handle that. So they blew up. No way. We are disciples of Moses. We're, we are of God. We are biblical. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners like your teacher, Jesus. Nor does God listen to you. Because we know you were born a sinner. You were born blind. So get out of here. We're not going to listen to you anymore. And they cast him out, not just out of their presence, but they shunned him from the community. They made a declaration that this guy doesn't belong anymore. And after he was cast out, the blind man knew he would never be able to attend the synagogue with his family again. He had just been, he just received sight. And then now he's cast out from his family. This was the fulfillment of his own fears, of his parents' fears, He lost his home, all because of what Jesus had done to him, because Jesus had come and given him sight. And in that moment of homelessness, what happens? 
Jesus searches for him and finds him. Let's read chapter 9, 35 to 41. Jump to 35. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, just like they said they would. And when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I might believe in him. He still doesn't know what Jesus looks like. Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he's the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. And Jesus said, for judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will see. And those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him, good old Bible college professors, pastors, they said, what, are we blind too? Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. So this whole story is about recognizing the new work of God in Jesus. In the Pharisees' eyes, right, they can clearly see that Jesus is a false teacher, and he needs to be opposed. He's blind, he's sinful, he might even be demon-possessed. This change that Jesus brings is not a work of God. It's a lie or it's a work of the devil itself. It's something, something else. The Pharisees are inside their home and they're defending that home against Jesus, who's a threat, who's pulling the wool over the eyes of their community. To the blind man and to Jesus, they say, you don't have a home here with us. You don't belong here. And in Jesus' eyes and in the blind man's eyes, it's the Pharisees who are blind to the work of God. And it's their failure to admit their blindness and to come to Jesus in faith for healing of that blindness that makes them actually oppose God. In Jesus' eyes, it's the Pharisees who, are, who don't have a home, who are running away from home because God's restoring the true home for his people in a new and unexpected way right here in their midst in Jesus. So the homeless, excluded blind man now has actually come home and he finds his true home with Jesus even while he feels homeless and is actually homeless in relation to his former community. So right in the midst of this conflict, Jesus says, I am the door. That's the context. I am your home. And he says this as a direct response to the Pharisees who are challenging him. And as a direct follow-on to that claim in 41 that they're the real blind ones. So let's read these words one more time. In, in this context, Let's go to 10, chapter 10, verses 1 to 10. All right, let's look at, this, look at this passage. What does Jesus mean? I am the door. I am your home. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he's brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they'll run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them, so he spells it out. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep, or I am the door for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. 
The thief only comes to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So when Jesus says, I am the door, I am the gate, he's both offering an invitation to come home and making a claim that we are not at home. However much we might feel like we're at home, however much scripture might justify the fact that we are at home, we are not at home if we are not at home with him. He calls to the Pharisees and to, and to the others and to, and to us to our day, in our day, today, this morning, inviting us, saying, I am the door, I am the way into your home where you will find salvation, peace, safety, protection, abundant life. All that you desire and long to find at home is found ultimately in me. All your tastes of joy and love and security that, I've, that you've experienced at home find their gold, find their fulfillment, their consummation in the home that I'm calling you to enter, the home you'll find in following me. This is the home that God has designed for you. And conversely, he says, therefore, there is no other door. There is no other true home than the home God has designed for you, the home I call you to, the home you find in me. To the Pharisees of Jesus' day, he says, you might think you're protecting God's people by protecting them from me. But in reality, you all are thieves and robbers and murderers seeking only to steal and kill and destroy God's people. All of your attempts to find home, to find joy, to find security, to find holiness, a God-pleasing life and community, peace, love, all those attempts to find those things apart from me amount to self-destruction. That's what Jesus is claiming. It's pretty radical. No wonder they were upset. Come home. Jesus isn't just speaking to the audience of his day, all of whom are dead and gone. He's speaking to us this morning. And I'm inviting us to hear his words spoken into a different controversy, one that's live right now in this room. I can see it. I feel it myself. This controversy today is basically the same thing that Jesus spoke into 2,000 years ago. It's a controversy over whether God's at work or not in Jesus right now and how he may, might be at work right here among us. I'm talking about the struggle of finding our home here at this college. Our home with Jesus and our home with one another. This controversy is not about whether Jesus really healed a blind man or not. It's, it's about whether God really wants us to be here at this college. And if so, how is it that God is at work amongst us while we're here? In our classes, in our learning, in our friendships, in our jobs, in our worship together, in our sports and recreation, and in all of our life together. Why are we here? Can we really find a home here with Jesus and with one another? How? Think about it. Use this story from John chapter 9, the story of this healing of the blind man, to interpret the story of your finding home here at Prairie. How do you see your story at Prairie with the lens of this story from the Gospel of John. If you haven't put much thought into whether God has called you here and how he might be at work in you while you're here, or you don't really care, or you're too distracted by other things to really care, then you're like those in Jesus' day amongst the crowds who, who heard the story of the man born blind being healed by Jesus and then said, Okay, great, that's great. 
Yeah. Uh, and then, so what are we having for lunch, Jim? <laughs> go back to lunch. Go back to work. Go back to the other story uh, that they were telling their friend. And the Bible scholars in this room might say, wait, Justin, wait. I don't see those people actually mentioned in John chapter 9. Are you saying something that's not biblical? And I say, yeah, exactly. They missed it. They missed it. The transcendent Lord of the universe has come to their town in human flesh, and they're missing it because they're too self-absorbed. If this is you, wake up. Thank you. Wake up. Put your phone down. Stop texting. Stop playing Candy Crush. Look around you. God is at work in your midst. That's what Jesus is claiming here. Whether we believe it, whether we can see it is another thing. Wherever we find ourselves at life, in life, God is always at work not to care about this or to be so distracted that, we, that it's not a reality in our lives is practical atheism. It's living as though God doesn't exist. Now, there were a lot of good reasons why many people, at the very least, were uncertain and hesitant that this healing of the blind men was a new work of God. And the same reasons are live today in the controversy that I'm talking about here, of how we're finding our home here. Maybe like the disciples and others, we're stuck on the question of who sinned. Why do we find ourselves in our community so bruised and broken, so imperfect? Who sinned to cause the mess that we see? Maybe we know, maybe it's us. Perhaps we've given up on the hope of finding home here with God or with others during our time because of the sin we see in others and in ourselves. And to be honest, we do sin. And we are sinned against. And it is right and holy to recognize this and to do our best to ensure it never happens again. Not to just stuff it in a closet, no. But if we, if we stop right there at identifying sin and ask no further questions about God's work here and now over against that sin and beyond it, then there really would be no Prairie College. It would not exist. It wouldn't be here. After a hundred years, it wouldn't be here. It would have imploded a long time ago. Taken to their extreme, our cynical, deconstructive, hyper-focus on sin blinds us to the work of God. Jesus said that the reason why the man was born blind was not that he sinned or his parents. And we know, of course, was the blind, did the blind man sin? Yeah, of course he made mistakes. Of course he sinned as a human being. But it was not, he wasn't blind because of that sin. It was because God's work might be displayed in him. It's undeniable that we have sinned. And we, we shouldn't deny it. It's undeniable that there are many ways that we can improve our community. But the gospel is the claim that, the God, that God is at work to bring life through Jesus out of this death and despair of our sin, our lack. So as we are stuck in cynicism, or in the inability to, to see beyond our sin and the sins of others, Jesus calls out to us, come home to me. This home is full of life. You can find real freedom here from your sin and from the pain caused by the sins of others against you, even here. I made this home for you, and that home can be found even here in this community. 
Maybe we're stuck on all the good and appropriate questions of trying to corroborate all the details of God's work amongst, here, amongst us here. Is this or that idea or project that we're engaged in, is that really biblical? Do people really know what they're doing around here? Are these friendships real that maybe just began? Maybe we think we always don't know enough about others to really believe what they're saying or what they're doing. Or maybe we don't know about ourselves to really trust that we can be involved in a real way. In the meantime, we're gathering evidence. We hesitate to commit to this community, to being here fully as a student or staff member while trying to participate in that home that Jesus gives us. This process is normal and natural, but it's critical that we don't use this process as an excuse never to embrace and acknowledge the work of God in our midst. It's interesting, I think, that Jesus chose not to magically convince everyone that he healed the man who was born blind. He, cre- he, he worked a miracle, but even those who saw the miracle still had to have faith that this was actually God and not the devil. God, Jesus created a miracle that was debatable, that was potentially ambiguous. It, it requires faith. Even for those who saw this work, again, it required faith. God is teaching us what faith in him means as he teaches us to see him at work within all the ambiguities and confusion of life here at this college. Learning to have faith in God to embrace this new work that he's doing in our midst, finding home here. It always involves learning to trust and love others in the midst of this ambiguity and uncertainty, and learning to love and trust ourselves as well that God has made in Christ. So while we're holding back from being fully committed here because of our unresolved questions, or while, while we're content with our definition and our experiences of home in the past and unwilling to, to try on another home, to try on our true home, Jesus is calling us right in the midst of that hesitation, come home to me. Maybe we might be like the blind man on his journey toward healing. When Jesus says, come home to me, we might respond, Jesus, I can't get home. I'm blind. You know that. You made me this way. I long to be home, Jesus, but I can't can't get there. I'm in three hills. It's cold. It's been snowing since September. I'm not connecting with people here like I would back home. I'm stuck. Or maybe we have a sense that Jesus has called us here, and we're expecting to experience a new work of God in our lives, like the blind man, like when he's got the mud on his eyes and he's, he's going to the pool of Siloam and he's trying to feel his way and he's asking, hey, can you, can you help me get there? And he's at the pool perhaps and we're waiting on it, but we haven't seen it yet. Or maybe we've come here and we've begun to experience God's saving work in our midst, this calling us home. But that work has upended our lives and has left us feeling far from home and even really homeless. Think again about all the things that were running through the blind man's head after he got healed and then cast out from his home. Maybe it would have been better to still be blind rather than to face the abuse that I'm facing now. How am I going to live going forward? Why did you do this to me, Jesus? Remember what happened next in the story. 
In the midst of his homelessness, Jesus searched for him and found him. Just like a shepherd searching for a lost sheep. More on that next week. Many of his questions likely remained unanswered. But it was enough to know that Jesus had healed him. And now that Jesus, not only that, but he had sought him out to offer him a new home with him and his disciples. In that new home, he found abundant life, security, peace, joy, even while being ostracized from his community. Remember, he is homeless, effectively, but then he is at home with Jesus. So too in our day, we have a promise that Jesus is seeking us out this morning and every morning and all of our experiences of homelessness to give us a home with him. And like the blind man, we find that there's other people living in this home. Not other people. No. No other people. It's not just me and Jesus. There are other sheep in this pasture. Others who are homeless and yet have found their true home here with Jesus. Or are wrestling to find that home. And they're here with us. And also we find that learning to be at home in Jesus, wherever he leads us in life, whether we're here at this college or whether we've moved on somewhere else, whatever, learning how to be at home at Jesus has everything to do with learning how to be at home with one another, with those whom God has called to live with us as we give and receive God's love. Our true home is with Jesus, wherever he calls us. And God is at work to establish this, this very home right here in our midst, this morning, in us and among us. Jesus is calling. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. We're going to end this, uh, uh, this time with just a little bit of reflection, we'll listen to a song. Basically what I want us to reflect on is how is God calling me to live at home with him here at this college? And again, maybe you've been here for a long time. Maybe it's embracing a certain friendship. Maybe it's finally being honest with yourself and with others in a particular issue. There could be many, many different ways that we are seeking and finding home. God might be inviting us to. What's God, what's God doing in us? How's God calling me to live at home with him here at this college? So let's take a bit of time and we'll reflect on that. And then uh, at the end, I'll come up uh, and lead us in prayer. So I'm not sure where you are at. Um, in this call, when Jesus says, come home to me, I just urge you to, to talk with someone about this, um, especially if you're feeling homeless. Um, and know that there are many, all of us at, at some level uh, are experiencing that tension, just like the blind man did, of, of homelessness and yet seeking and finding our home with Jesus. So this, let this scripture be our benediction. Um, and after this, we're dismissed. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. 
Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely, your goodness and love will follow us all the days of our lives, even today. And we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen.